0: Turn over in your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to be over in chapter 6. Well, consider some of the dumb things that people have said throughout the years. I'm going to read you off a few of them. In 1859, drill for oil? You mean drill into the ground to find oil? You're crazy. That was the employees of Edwin L. Drake before his first successful oil well near Titusville, Pennsylvania in 1899. Everything that can be invented has been invented. That was Charles H. Duell, D-U-E-L-L, He was the U.S. Commissioner of Patents in 1903. I may think a few more things have been invented since then. The horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty, a fad. That was the president of Michigan Savings Bank advising against investing In Ford Motor Company in 1936. I have no political ambitions for myself or my children, said Joseph P. Kennedy in 1943. I think there are a world market for maybe five computers. That was Thomas Watson, president of IBM, in 1954. You ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. That was the Grand old Opry's Jim Denny to Elvis Presley, November 18th, 1963. For the majority of people that use, the use of tobacco has a beneficial effect. That was Dr. Ian McDonald, Los Angeles surgeon quoted in Newsweek in 1977. There is no need for any individual to have a computer in their home. That was Ken Olson, president of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1981. I love this one. I've said this before. 640K ought to be enough memory for anybody. (laughs) That was Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, on September 9th, 2002. In matters of public policy and personal transformation, most churches are irrelevant. Irrelevant. That was Peter Saltell, Seeker Magazine. We want to look at the topic of grandness today. Grandness. Sometimes we've lost sight of how grand we can be or a thing can be. And we get caught in things being dull and ordinary. And even the thing that we're doing has very little use. Very little usefulness. Very little impact. Over in Acts chapter 6... In chapter 9, we're going to be looking at two characters in particular, Stephen and Paul. In Acts chapter 6, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews. Doesn't that just seem funny to you? At Microsoft, as sales continued to increase, there was a complaint around the company. Does that sound right? At home, as our bank account continued to multiply and increase, there were complaints in the household. On the job, there were complaints by the employees because the dividends of the company grew. Does that make sense to you? Now, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. See, even in good situations, people can find bad stuff is that right? Remember last week we were talking about it. People can find a bed and anything. And I brought up to you the gas prices. Remember I told you when gas prices went high, everybody was complaining. When gas prices went low, and kind of left it there, and we all thought, oh, no one would complain because the gas prices went low. Don't you know that this week they did? Yes, Democrat leaders in the in the House and the Senate, on both sides are now planning on what to do because gas prices have gone so low they have decided that a new tax taxes is in, in order to force gas prices up higher. Yeah! Good old Pelosi from California, Harry Reid from Nevada, and others have joined in. They decided that you all shouldn't pay $2 a gallon that it's not fair that you pay $2 a gallon that you should pay 3 How concerned do you think they really were about ca- gas prices being $5? I told you before they weren't concerned about it. They weren't drilling. And they all went on off their campaign trails and they all promised that they are going to start drilling. In fact, even Congress, do you know that they lifted the ban on oil drilling? You know that now they're making plans to put it back in come the beginning of the year. Once the new Congress is, is sworn in, they will make plans to, to, in, to reinstitute that ban and so we can't drill around here anymore. How concerned are they for your, your gas prices? They want to get a, a tax on there now just so you aren't paying so cheap for gas. So you see, people can complain about anything. They're complaining now because you're only paying $2. How many of you all like paying $2? Boy, I got surprised. My gas tank was on about just about, not quite empty, about a quarter tank. Then we had places to go and I knew we had had a... a in fact we, were, we were. I was planning on taking my, my truck out to the... Um, Overnighter, And I knew we didn't have enough in there to go all the way down to, to Philly and do the driving around we are going to do and come on back. So I stopped off and I figured, well, I'm just going to do this cash. And uh, I didn't have my card with me. And so I, I ran inside and I figured, all right, $40 ought to be good. I gave them $40. Don't you know I filled that whole thing up and had to go back in and get changed. Mm. Now, I understand my truck has a very large capacity. And when we were up there in the top part, I, ha- I have put in $100 in my tank. To fill it up when it was down on empty, I put in $100 to fill up that tank. Now, I'm not doing that anymore, glory to God. <laughs> I mean, I like paying $40 and filling that thing up. Now, some of you, $40 would fill your car up twice, but you don't have a truck. I may be a pastor, but I need a truck. I use that truck for church almost every day and use it for bunk beds even more than that. It's always being used as a truck. And so I got to pay it. But, Lord, it, th- it was less than $40, $40. I couldn't fill it up. In fact, it, it cl- clicked off early. I said, well, I wonder if I can get there. No, I couldn't get there. I was way far away. I, was de- I, was, I got so much change back. almost wanted to complain. No, I didn't. <laughs> but can you believe people in Congress actually came up and complained that we're paying too little now? for, for... How many of y'all heard that this week? Well, you're probably better off not hearing that kind of stuff anyway. Oh, I was so surprised. I don't, I mean, I, I I shouldn't be, but there is no bad opportunity to find a new tax. They just like that. And, of course, when gas prices go up higher, they're not going to drop that tax, are they? No. No, we don't need to do that. $2. You got, we were over there in Jersey. We paid a dollar seventy nine. one spot to fill up. $1.79. When was the last time you saw that price? Hmm. Now, there's reasons for it. I study the reasons behind it. I know why it's down that low. I also know it's not going to stay that low for real, real long, but it is going to stay this down this way for a little while. Glory to God for that. I like it down low. But here they have a problem the church is multiplying, and people complained. How I many people can complain that the church isn't multiplying? They complain if the church is multiplying. They complain. They'll find something, and in this in this growth, they found out that certain things weren't getting done, so they complained about it because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now, I'm not saying this isn't a valid problem. They ought to be taking care of them. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples, and said, "It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Are they saying that this is not an important problem? Are they saying, some people hear this thing and they say, well, that's not worth our time. Let's find some other people to take care of it. What they're actually saying in this is, yes, this is a problem. And it's enough of a problem that we would take time doing what we're doing to take care of it. But in order to keep that from happening, let's find seven men of good reputation full of the Holy Spirit. So see, they saw this as an issue, an important issue enough that they would have stopped what they were doing or taken time from what they were doing to get this thing done. They said, but that's not good. Let's go on over here. Let's find this way to do it. Let's get some other people. And get them to take care of it. And then we can give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased part of the multitude. Well, see, they were just wrong because you can never please the whole multitude, isn't that right? They, I mean they must be wrong. The saying pleased most of the multitude. Because you know there's always complaining people around there, right? It does say the whole multitude, doesn't it? Isn't that just amazing? that you can have a problem, and the whole church said, yeah, that's the good way to do it. <laughs> and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, the Holy Spirit and Philip, and so forth, the list goes. But Stephen is the one we want to look for. And they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and a number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Is that part of his job description? Was Stephen pulled aside to do great signs and wonders among the people? What was he pulled aside to do? Take care of the widows. Make sure that they were given the daily distribution. What's he doing out here doing this other stuff? Well, see, he comes out here and they say, Brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. What is a man or woman of good reputation? What are they looking for? They really don't tell us in here what they're looking for. But if you were one of those looking for folks, wouldn't you want to find people who were faithful with what they had to do? Faithful with little things so that you can give them something bigger. Something that was big enough that it would have pulled the apostles from doing what they were doing with the Word and with prayer and ministry and so forth to get over here and take care of it. If you're one of the apostles, wouldn't you feel more comfortable putting in the hands of... You're only putting it in the hands of seven people. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel more comfortable putting it in the hands of seven people who you know, they'll, they'll take care of it. Whatever's going on, they'll take care of it. Mm. That's what you want to do. So Stephen had to be one who was faithful in little things. He had to show himself as a person who would take care of the details of this. He had to have a reputation among the people that if you put it into Stephen's hands, it's like Joseph. Put it into Joseph's hands, it was taken care of. Put it into Stephen's hands, it's taken care of. And so along with the rest of them. Not just Stephen, but the rest of them. But Stephen rose up And he not only was doing that, but he was so full of the Holy Spirit, every time he found something to do, he'd he'd lay hands on this person. He'd pray over this person. They didn't commission him to do it. He just found people who were sick, prayed over them, miracles happened. Found blind people, prayed over them, miracles happened. It said, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And the apostles rebuked him. Oh, that's not in yours? Must have a bad translation. No, they didn't, they didn't mess with that. they going out there and do it. Are you getting done the thing we need to do? They were. He was. Things were going on. So Stephen was out there doing this, this stuff. But Stephen had to first off be a person who got things done. He had to be faithful with the little things. If you are not faithful with the little things, who will trust to you the true riches? That's what Jesus told us. Now, over in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, this is so important. I wanted you to see this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Put your all into it. Don't just do it halfway. Get in there and put your all into it. Do it all the way. That's something my mom complained about me. Not really complained, but said about me ever since I was little. I'm either all the way in or I'm not interested. There was no middle ground for me growing up. There was no halfway involved. Either I was fully immersed in the thing or I didn't have anything to do with it. And she kept trying to, to work on me and, and to try to get to understand that sometimes you've got to be somewhat involved in these things. and you know, if school, if the particular class didn't grab my attention, I was completely uninvolved. I sat through this class. I did whatever homework I absolutely had to do, that's all I did. I didn't go over and above. I didn't do extra. I gave it no thought out of the classroom. Now, none of your kids are here. I can tell you these stories today. They probably don't go back through and download the MP3s and stuff like that. If they do, then just, um, you know, we'll pray that God will just have their thing go fuzzy over this part. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it was. I just, I didn't get all that involved. Quite, quite truthfully, there were no subjects in school that grabbed my attention. All through elementary school, all through junior high school, there was not a subject on the face of this earth that grabbed my attention. I got through with whatever I barely could get through. Now, gym class was different. We played hockey. They had my full attention. And I told you before, ha- hockey, they decided that halfway through that, you know, it was supposed to be either, I think it was supposed to be a 16-week thing or an eight-week thing, whatever it was supposed to be. They cut it in half and made us do square dancing. I mean, I was so bothered. Anything but square dancing. That was. They had no attention for me for square dancing, at all. I mean, it's. I'm barely going through the motions. I. If I could have, I would have had a petition around. But hockey had my attention. Football, stuff like that, that had my attention. But English, what in the world do I need to learn English for? Algebra, what in the world do I need to learn algebra for? And then finally in high school I got a couple of classes that grabbed my attention. In history, Greek history and Roman history grabbed my attention. Even I think even in junior high we did some ancient history and that grabbed my attention some. More so later on. But uh, English never, ever grabbed my attention. Never liked it. Still don't. Just never liked the subject. Didn't like writing papers. Didn't like doing grammar. No interest at all in that. Math didn't really grab me too much until we got into geometry. And I don't know that geometry grabbed my attention a whole lot, but for some reason it came easy to me. And I could get an A on a test and barely work at it. And I don't know why. Just did really well in geometry. And that was the last math course I ever took. Got my senior year, and then I was into science, and science had grabbed my interest. And so my senior year in science, I had no English, I had no math, and I had four sciences. And I had science coming out the years. but loved science. I began to really pick up an interest for that and, and captivate that and put my all into it. But if that subject didn't grab hold of me, nope. Had no interest in it at all. See, sometimes you got to work yourself in and get yourself some interest. But I was either all the way in or I was all the way out. I'm still that way. I tell the kids when we were over there, I've told you this story before, and when we're out there goofing around, if they want to pull me into a battle, and pull me into a fight I tell them I'm not in halfway either I'm all the way in and I'm taking you guys out or I'm content to stay here on the sidelines then I've told them you know, if you have water pistols and stuff like that shoot around me but if you shoot me I will get involved <laughs> if you're going to have a snowball fight throw them all around me if you hit me I will get involved and I warn them I warn them plenty of times I even give them a break and let them hit me one time but once I'm in it's, it's done well, we were over there standing in line with the, the uh, tube, and we all got it. They were they were egging me on to get about the bottom. My wife was trying to no, don't get them involved. No, you don't want to do it. No, keep them out. And I was I was doing real good, staying on the sideline, telling them, now you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Now they were smaller then. They're bigger now. But they were smaller then, and they didn't know what they were messing with. Now I have wisdom. Because some of those boys over there, they're big. Mm, Bigger than me. Don't want to take that on necessarily. But if you're going to get involved with something, get all the way in. Jump in on it. Don't just get in there and meddle halfway. If you're going to be involved in the ministry, if you're going to take something on, go all the way in. And I have yet to understand how people can take on a ministry halfway. I don't understand it. I've never been able to take on a ministry halfway. If you put, if anybody... Pastors, I had, if they put a ministry into my hands, I put everything into it. My goal was if they ever had to give it a second thought, I failed them. I held that goal every moment of every day. A couple places where we saw that, when I was over in one church and I just started to attend the church because God told me to attend the church and started moving on up, they started giving me different things, but I got onto the on the board, and we were having conversations. And one of the things that the board did was all the deacons, they rotated once a month closing the church. And it was a bigger building, and you had a lot of different things, a lot of different doors, and stuff like that. And so we'd have to close the church. And every month, it seemed like some door was left open, some light was left on, something was going on, because it's just a big place and a lot to do. And if you only take it on, you know, if you have 12 full people who, who took on the job and you rotated out every month, you didn't get a whole lot of practice on it. So we kept running into a problem. So I just threw out to him and says, look, why don't we do this? I'm here before anyone else is and I leave after everyone else is gone. And I I was. I was there early in the morning and I didn't leave till midnight. I was there the whole day. So I said, there's no sense in these guys hanging around and trying to, I'll just do it. I'll open the church up and I'll close the church down. And I took that on and I made sure no door in that church was ever closed. No heater was ever left on. No light was ever bothered because if I did, the pastor lived right across the parking lot. And if I left the light on, guess who that would bother? He'd be looking out his porch and seeing there's a light on the church. What do you think he's going to do at 1 a.m. in the morning, 2 a.m. in the morning if he looks across the parking lot and sees there's a light on? He's going to think, well, either that light got left on, but maybe something else didn't get done. And he's going to be putting on his stuff and heading on over. See, that's not a good thing. So I made sure that that wasn't done. Make sure it was got taken care of. They didn't have to think about closing that church. Now we got that around here. Folks take on the closing procedures. We got backups on the closing procedures and we're just a small building. And I thank God for people who watch over that and get it done and get it taken care of. You need that kind of excellence in things. You want to be able to pick that kind of stuff up. You know, it's nice having Dan back in there. Dan runs that computer better than anyone. Amen. And I can say that even with other people who sit on in, because they all know Dan does it best. Now, Dan will do little stuff. I love people pick up little stuff to do. Dan will do little stuff on there. And I, most of you don't even notice it. I do. <laughs> and I love it when he picks up those little things. You know, if a song goes up on the screen and it's wrong, there's a word that's wrong, he'll even do this if there's a capitalization problem. I've seen him do that. He, he will edit it while it's on the screen. He knows how to do it. I know how to do it too. But not too many people are comfortable in doing that. He'll edit it on the screen and then put it back up, and I'll say he just fixed that. <laughs> Boy, I like that when they, when you see that done. Because that's a person who takes pride in, their, in what they do. They make sure that it, that it gets done. You know, when he's back there running that computer. I have every confidence in the world that everything's going to go on. That needs to needs to happen with that. He he took that ministry up. And he took it up with a passion, and I appreciate when that happens up. Now Rachel, she's picking up some, setting up some things, and, and I've noticed she's picking up on some things that she didn't know before. La- like a week or two ago, she noticed that the background was the same from the Sunday before. She changed it. So good for her. Now, most other people wouldn't have even noticed it, but I knew it was still set to that background when I got in here. It wasn't. And I thought, look at that, she changed that on us. Good for her. She got that thing I accidentally done there. But if you're going to do a ministry. You got to pick that up. You've got to pick it up and, and do it. Some of you folks, you have ministries. You haven't picked up this, this idea of grandness yet. Now, well, I'll try and step on everybody's toes equally today. I'll try. I may miss some of you. It wasn't intentional. But I'll tell you what. Some of you folks who get involved in the worship ministry... I know the songs better than you do. That should hurt. I'm not a worshipper. I'm not a professional one. I'm just an amateur. You ought to get in there and learn those words. Get to know every single one of them. You ought to do it, just because it's an area of excellence. And when you now, I'm not saying all you don't. I don't know who does or who doesn't. But I know we can get some spots on those songs. And it seems like everybody forgot the words. Well, dear Lord, if you all as leaders forgot the words, what's going to happen to all the folks out here? And worship just come to a stutter. Don't do that. We told people on the computer too. That you've got to watch this. That's one of the first things I teach people who do the computer. If you are not on the next slide, by the time they start singing that's part of the song, all worship stops. Because people are always looking out there for the words. Now, I, they'll say, well, they should know them by now. Sure they should, but they don't. I mean, come on, how long does it take to learn a song? But some of you don't, right? And you're glad when they're going up there. They help you out. But get in there and get some excellence in there. Some of you some you know, Sunday school teachers. We were having the toddler and stuff going on. Some people were showing up at 5 of 10 getting into the room to set it up and then sat down to study what they were going to do that day. How can you have a ministry of excellence when you start studying what you're going to do for the kids right at 10 o'clock? Can't do it. Can't do it. If you're going to be in the nursery, how can you have a nursery of excellence if you don't put any thought or prayer into it until you get in there? People could say, well, I'd be an usher, but Pastor wants you here by 9.30. Well, I won't be an usher. He wants you to wear a tie. I don't care if I want you to wear a hat. <laughs> don't you sit there and say, well, Pastor doesn't need to do that. Did I say you need to wear a tie? You can say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see Ray show up here without a tie on. He's going to, when he's the, the usher man, there's not a day he shows up he's not being usher. Every day he shows up, he's that. When Bruce is over there and he's an usher, every day he shows up, he's an usher. He comes in with a tie. Jim comes on with a tie. You know why they do that? I don't go up to him every day to wear your tie. I told him one time, wear a tie. And they do. You want to be an usher, wear a tie. I don't like ties. Tough. If I want you to wear a tie, you wear a tie. Stop debating this stuff. If I don't want you, the, the people up there on the stage wearing jeans, don't wear them. We don't have anybody up there doing jeans, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. All you gals that come on up there, I'll tell you what—you look nice, and that's what we want you to do. You've been, you know, you just come dressed nice, and that's good. I appreciate that every time we have that. And you have young men next door, and they show up in in ties. I got on a couple of them today. They weren't wearing it. They said it's because they were baking. I said, real men can bake in a tie. <laughs> that's what I said to them. I have fun with them next door. they they understand that. But I appreciate them showing up that way. Being dressed up. You don't have a tie, that's fine. You just won't be an usher. You have to get one. If we need our ushers here at 9.30, they'll be here at 9.30. If we want our Sunday school teachers to be here at 9.30 for prayer, they'll be here at 9.30 for prayer. If you're on the worship team and things start at 9 o'clock, they'll be showing up here at 9.05. You ought to be here a quarter of. Ought to be. Well, that's early for me. You come on down here when I'm here. <laughs> I get here early. It's a good thing I did today, or we were struggling with heat as it was. And I got here and got everything cranked up, got extra stuff cranked up just in case, because I knew it was cold. I was going to have you all be cold. Show up early. Stop seeing how 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 close you can cut it. Get here early. People all the time ask me, why do you have to get to church that early? I don't. But I'm going to make sure I'm ready. I'm going to make sure that whatever it is that we want to, that God wants to do here today, that we get there with it. And that means I get here at 3 o'clock in the morning and I get here at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, this weekend was a little tougher because we didn't get any sleep on Friday night. Out there with your kitties. Running around. Having fun. Appreciate all the rest of you guys who came out there and, and did that. But stop being out there d- debating it. I love a story that uh, Brother Keith Moore told us because he was around traveling with Brother Hagan for a while. And uh, he said, you know, there, there's some spiritual things that would go on. There's some natural things that went on. But he said all of them were just as important. If Brother Hagen had to think about it, it was important. And so whatever it was, whether it was natural, whether it was not, if if he brought it up that it was an issue, it was no longer an issue. He took care of it. He made sure that it was done. And that's what we ought to do. You make, you make sure about that. When I was an assistant pastor at the church, I made sure I ran rough shot. No one got to the pastor with a problem. They didn't get there. They never made it. Because first off, if there was a problem that went on that church, and I can say this with all authority, and you can ask anybody who served on there with me, if there was a problem that went on in that church, and it was a large church, larger church anyway, if the problem went on in that morning, it did not escape my attention. There was not a single problem that would happen in that building that I did not know about. And I made sure they never got near him. And if anybody ever tried, they didn't hear it from him. They heard it from me. You will not approach pastor with that on a Sunday morning. And they didn't do it. So we're getting more people who step up and take things over and run stuff so I don't have to get involved with them on, on Sunday. Keith, been doing a great job. You know, as soon as I gave him something and, and told him how to do it, I don't hear about that problem anymore. He's been doing a good job with it. Ray takes on a lot of things in there with the usher stuff. Cause I'll deal with problems Monday through Saturday, but folks on Sunday morning leave me alone with problems. I don't want to deal with them. Y'all, y'all are in place. Y'all done this long enough. Y'all take care of your own problems and stop creating problems. How many of you worship team members show up here on Sunday morning and don't have songs? I'm not going to call your name. Stop running over getting copies. Keep your songs. If you're going to be faithful in the big things, you're going to be faithful in what? Little things. You've got to be faithful in those things too. Hang on to your stuff. How in the world can you work on music at home when you don't have it when you come in here on Sunday? How are you going for excellence in ministry then? How are you going for grandness? Now, Stephen, Stephen was pulled aside and they said, you know what? We can use this man over here. But he apparently was doing some other stuff. How did he find stuff to do? He just found it. Whatever his hand found to do, he did it. Every church I've ever been in, very few times have they come to me and said, Steve, we want you to do this and take this on. Most times I'd look around, I'd find a need, I'd find a way to take care of that thing, and I'd just work my way into it and get it done. And then generally people like me to do it because if I took something on, no one else had to think about it. One church I was at, they uh, uh I brought up the idea. I had no idea anyone else ever brought up the idea before, but brought up the idea to the board. I said, we need to put a bookstore in here, Christian bookstore where people can come and get stuff. And uh, they all said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go ahead and do that. And so they all passed it unanimously and commissioned me to go out there and do the bookstore. I never knew anything about it. Found out later on that the pastor got offended because his wife had asked for the Bookstore, and he brought it up to the board and no one wanted to do it. No one wanted to take it on. And so the pastor asked his son, how come I brought this up and no one would go for it? And Steve over there brings it up and you all jump in. And his words to him were, he said, well, when you bring it up, we know we all have to do it. When Steve brought it up, we knew he'd do it all. (laughs) So I want people to think that. You ought to to get that way. Whatever it is, is put in your care. No one ever has to think about it again. Grandness. Whatever it is that I'm going to do, it's going to be grand. If you watch over the visitors that come into this church, no one should ever have to think of a visitor and what's happening with them. Because you will passionately take it on to make sure that every visitor that comes through those gates is greeted and knows exactly where everything is. And feels at home. And knows the people that are around them. If you're a nursery worker, take it on the nursery. You will to make sure that every baby that comes in there leaves happy. Comes in happy and leaves happy. And you'll find out what needs to be done to get that, get that going. You clean the church. Come in here beforehand. Straighten up the chairs or whatever it is. You make sure that you do it. And, and folks do. Naz and Sharon come in and do most of that stuff. They come on in. I noticed with them, if I mention something to them, it's done. Forever. <laughs> I mean, it is. Did. We had a, situ- a situation. We got this little vacuum. And we use the big vacuum over here because it's more powerful and sucks up more stuff. But underneath the chair, it's tougher to get the big vacuum. It won't fit. So we got this little portable one that, little, that charges up. But you got to charge it up every week because it runs down. So uh, it's usually easier for me to run it because I'm, I'm here longer and it takes a good 8-12 hours for the thing to to charge up. So um, we were having some issues for a while because sometimes they put it back in there or sometimes it, I just couldn't always find it or sometimes it was where I could find it but I didn't think of it. And so in fact, I didn't even think I mentioned it to you guys. I think I mentioned it to Candace one time because Candace was here. She was cleaning up. Sometimes she comes along and does that. And I mentioned to Candace says, tell you what, if you put it right there at that door and I point it to a spot, that will remind me because every time I come in here in the morning, I'm over here. And that will remind me, ever since that day, that thing has always been at the back door. Just because I mentioned it one time. Now see, that's faithfulness. You say something one time and they'll take care of it for narrowing out. Don't make people have to repeat things to you. That's not faithful. He was a man of good reputation. He was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. But Ecclesiastes says, find what, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There are some people who can look at a whole lot of work that has to get done. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, if you go in and you're going to clean out the basement, and you bring the kids on down, and you're down in the basement, we're going to clean out the basement, and you all come down, and there's stuff everywhere, there's work, all that, I mean, work just screams at you. And you get on down there in the basement and they, they look at you and you say, what do you want me to do? Isn't that great? Now what's better? When you get people on down there and they just say, alright, I'm going to dig in and we, we grab hold of this. Whatever your hand finds to do. Do it! Whatever it is. But get your hand in there. Get busy finding stuff to do. Stop waiting for other people to find something for you to do. You can find things to do. You can look at things. You know what? This isn't good. What about if we did this? How about this over here? We could do something over here. What about this? And take it on. That's faithfulness. You're learning to be faithful with little things. You're learning to be faithful in in, in small areas. Well, do that. I put this in my notes. How little is too little for faithfulness to count? Oh, that's just... Oh, that's not really important. That's not a big deal. Don't worry about that. That's just a little thing. Who is faithful with what? Little. Little. When you are faithful with small details, little things. You are faithful in what? You are faithful in much. See, what the disciples were saying about these guys is they will be faithful. They will take this on and they will be faithful with it while we continue to do what we've been faithful with. We're to be faithful with the Word and prayer and ministry. And in order for us to get in there and be faithful, we have to take from being that with us over here and and, and so forth. No, get in there and be faithful with it. We had one person, they they didn't necessarily have anything to do weren't with us for real long before they moved away but uh, they would come out on a Wednesday night they would come out and just show up early we want me to do can I rearrange the chairs can I can I run the vacuum just asking for stuff oh well, yeah if you want to go ahead <laughs> run the vacuum go ahead they just look for stuff just found things to do now, as Brother Keith was relating that story to us he told us about a church that they were in they were um, I guess they were on ministry and as they were getting done there was a young man who was standing up next to, next to the wall and he was over there near him and the young man said to him "He said, did you happen to use the restroom he kind of looked at him funny he goes what? did you, did you happen to use the restroom? Well, yeah yeah, I, I was in there, how would it look? spotless he goes, that's my job <laughs> that's the person who took pride in what they did in the little things. I tell you what, folks, be faithful in the little things. So, what if no one else is? If you're up there in the worship team and everyone else has forgotten all the words, but you knew it, be faithful. If nobody else practiced all week long, only you did. Don't go back next week. Well, I'm not going to practice. Nobody else did. You practice like it's just you. If you show up next week, only have one usher. Well, I'm not going to show up the week after that. I mean, nobody else showed up. I don't have to. Show. Don't let your faithfulness depend on other people's faithfulness. Be faithful in what you have to do. A little story we were looking at last week. The people who made a promise. Once they made a promise, once they said, I will do that, they were bound to it. How many times have you in this church or other churches or other places you've been have said I will do that and didn't. That story last week could speak to you. Don't be doing it. If you say, I'm going to get there, I'm going to do that, then you do it till Jesus comes. <laughs> Don't give it up. Do it until Jesus comes. Nobody else shows up at worship practice at 9 o'clock? Still get there at 10 of. Just keep it up. Jim shows up here at 7.30 every morning just in case there's stuff to do. He doesn't need that all that time, but from 7.30 to 9 o'clock, he doesn't need all that time to copy the CDs and to fold the bulletins, do you, Jim? I think he's done that in about 15, 20 minutes. But just in case anything else comes up, just in case I might need him for something else, he's here. And if I don't have anything extra for him, he doesn't come later the next day. He, <laughs> he's still here at 7.30. He's been coming here at 7.30 for how long? Except I think a couple weeks ago, Jim, you were here about seven forty. <laughs> Slipping up a little bit, but you know, <laughs> it's all right. He made up for. I think today you were here earlier than seven thirty. No, he just he doesn't have a time that he checks in by. But I, I know if something's going on and I have something extra, Jim will be here, and I can give that over to him, and he'll do it. It's nice to have that because they're they're folks that are faithful. Let me put it to you this way. Anything that I am mindful of on Sunday morning is something you could be faithful with. Y'all have that? Anything that I am mindful of on Sunday morning, outside of getting ready for the, the outline and the stuff that goes into the service, anything outside of that, you can be faithful with. And don't sit there and say, well, don't come up to me and say, well, what can I do? I want just, just watch for it. Just look out for it. Just look. Just begin to look. Wow, there's somebody doing that. I bet I can do that one. I bet I can take that one. Just start looking. Be creative. Let your mind dream of stuff that you can do on Sunday morning before church. I bet you can come up with some things. Look around. I'm doing less and less here on Sunday morning outside of just just getting ready. And that's, now don't, I'm not going to ask y'all to come over here at 3.30 in the morning and light up the kerosene heaters and then go home. <laughs> Alright, I, I still use them up just to, just to warm it up. The good thing I did today, today was just a backup. I said, well, the heater ought to be able to do it, but I just backed it up just in case. Glory to God that we did because it wasn't, it was struggling a little bit and I don't know why. Guess we had to get some kinks we had to work out in the beginning here. See, you start it up early enough. I don't want anything kind of that smell to be around. And, but I want you all to be warm. Because you all know you're more mindful of what's going on if you're warm. Well, amen anyway. <laughs> Could the disciples give this up and not be distracted by it if the seven did not have a pattern of faithfulness? They need to have a pattern of faithfulness. If some are not faithful in their area, can it affect the singleness of purpose in their leaders? See, the disciples are talking about a singleness of purpose. Let us just be mindful of prayer and the Word. My faithfulness follows my vision of how spectacular and necessary my ministry is. How spectacular and necessary do you see your ministry? By ministry, I mean what it is that you do. How spectacular and necessary do you see it? If you do do not see it as spectacular, you do not see it as necessary, and your faithfulness will follow suit. If Vanessa were to say, well, it's not that important that I be here, I mean, they got guitar and they got another keyboard, I guess, then she, her, her, her faithfulness could slack on that, couldn't it? If Kevin could say, well, they're not really using a guitar the way I think they will be using a guitar. If Jim says, well, I'm the only guy voice up here. Can't be that important. As spectacular and necessary as you see your ministry, it's how faithful you will be with it. Now folks, you can see your ministry that you do as spectacular and necessary as you want to. And you can elevate any ministry to a level of grandness. Any ministry. I don't care what you do. Change in poopy Diapers can be elevated to a level of grandness. If you apply yourself right. Running the computer and putting words up on the screen can be elevated to a level of grandness. If you do it right. Being an usher, a greeter, can be elevated to a place of grandness. If you have the right attitude. Whatever you do can be elevated to a place of of grandness greatness necessity you see it's not about how other people look at what you do it's about how you look at what you do and you can change that you can't change how other people look at it but you can change how you look at it how grand is it to you put this in your outline when I view my ministry as ordinary my faithfulness wanes Stop viewing your ministry as ordinary. It's only ordinary because you see it that way. Because whatever it is that you do, folks, can be elevated to a place of grandness, greatness, spectacular in nature. You can come in and be the best parking lot cleanup crew ever seen in the face of the earth. You could do that. This is the big parking lot. Bruce is able to get on out there. He's got a lot of other duties he does. He gets on out there and is able to handle the, uh, some part. But I'll tell you what. Some of you could get out there and say, You know what? I'm going to take that on. And you come in. I you, you could spend a half hour in that parking lot cleaned up. What do you think, Bruce? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not so important. I've told you before. If, if I know Bruce isn't coming, I'm out there hitting it. How important is it then? What do you think? If you're a visitor and you get out, Step out of your car and do a pile of trash. How'd that do for you? What was your first impression here of the church? Have you you got a pile of cigarettes over in the corner? Yep. Yeah. How great do you see it? Whose duty is it to maintain the vision of grandness? Whose duty is it? That is yours. Stop pulling it off on someone else. If you do not view your ministry as grand phenomenal, spectacular in nature. It is your fault. You've allowed it to get that way. You haven't made it a point of prayer to seek after God as to what can I do in what I have taken on as ministry. What can I do with that? How can I take that on and make that special? How can I be the best visitor, greeter the world has ever seen? You see, if you're going to be a spectacular, let's just take that one, if you're going to be a spectacular person greeting the visitors, then what you'll do is you start reading magazines about how other people greeted their visitors. And you'll go online and find out, is there any information I can find out online as to how to be and run the best visitor-greeter ministry in the world? And you know what? There's this, we don't do that. I'll bet we could do that here. I'll bet we could bring that in. You're an usher. How can I be a better usher? What is it that an usher does in other churches? How can I turn that up? How can we make taking up offering even better? What else can we do in, in that area? And you begin to dream in that area of ministry. And if you don't have one that you do yet, and then you get before God and say, God, what is it that I can do? What is it that I can do to, to, to take that on? And then as you lay on your bed and pray and before God, God will suddenly have you see something in the church that's not being done, not being done well. No one has picked up the vision of grandness for it. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a vision of grandness for that thing. That's my ministry? That's what God put me on earth to do? No. Maybe not. Maybe so. But He's going to see how faithful you are with what? Little things. Now, don't yell at me, folks. If you just squeak in here on barely on time to take on your whatever ministry you're doing, don't wonder why, Well, how come I'm not being given anything more? I heard that ouch all the way up here. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I can pick up grandness in some areas, but there are some areas I still have an ordinary vision for. And I get on myself for it. i got to get out of being ordinary in that area. Tired of being ordinary over there. I want to become grand in this area? How can I become grand in that area? Now, don't raise your hand. Use your inside hand. But how many of you are involved in a ministry, involved in something that you do, and have never read anything outside to find out how you can do that better? Are you kidding me? I mean, I can read up about how to... Sure you can. Sure you can. Whatever it is that you do, you can read up on the thing. You can find out how to do it. You can find out how to do it better. Study up on it. What do other ushers do? What do other worship team members do? What do other sound people do and computer people do and Sunday school teachers do and who I left out? We'll make sure we get them all. Whatever it is that you do, read up on it. Be faithful in the little things. No one here has held you back in any area of ministry. Stop telling yourself that. The only person who has held yourself back is because you have refused to be faithful with the little things. I will, I am not the kind of pastor who demands you to be faithful in little things. I expect it, but I don't demand it. I do expect it. I expect it out of myself. I can demand it out of myself, but I don't demand it out of you. But I never stop expecting it out of any of you. Even if you have left me down in that area for a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, I still am expecting grandness, faithfulness, magnificence out of you. And I as your pastor promise you, I will never stop expecting greatness from you. I will never give up on expecting greatness from you, even if you haven't performed up till now. So don't think I'm up here yelling at all you guys because there's this, that, and the other thing going on. I am not. I will never demand greatness out of you. I will never demand promptness out of you. But I will never stop expecting it out of every single one of you. I will never stop expecting that you can be greater than what you are now. And the only person who holds you back is you. What are you reading and what are you studying? What are you taking on? Because you can become great. Some of you sit there and throughout this series have been thinking, Oh, you know, I told, told Pastor Steve that I would do that thing and I had to let him down on that. He's probably never going to trust me again. You're wrong. I'm a very trusting person. But i will only trust you with little things. I will not trust you with a big thing. I will not put big things into your hands because that is not following the biblical pattern. I cannot trust you with bigger things until you first show not only to me but also to yourself that you are faithful in the little things. You've got to get faithful there. And you can. You can become great. You can become grand. You can become magnificent in nature if you allow yourself to dream to be. Stop saying, I can't be what this person is. I can't get to the level this person is. I can't get to that level. I can't do it. Stop seeing yourself that you can't. Because you can. You can become great. Stop looking at how little you can do in your ministry to get by. And say, how much can I do to get it done? How great can I make it? What more can I do? I still have areas in my life that I consider to be ordinary, subpar, not measuring up. And I look at them and they bother me on a regular basis. If so I going to dedicate some aspect of myself, some time for myself To make that better, and to get over that, and you can, just like I can, you can. Let's have a vision of becoming great. Let's see grandness as something that we can attain. Going back over to the computer thing, we have a couple of we've we've joked about it, but we have a couple different levels or ways of measuring how good you are at the computer. Isn't that right, Dan? The first level of being good is if you can run the computer to CDs. Because CDs are predictable, you know where they're going. The second level is if you can do the computer with live worship, following our team. Because they're not as predictable, they may repeat some things, they may go back and forth, go over here, and if you can stay with them, then you've you've hit another level. But the up ultimate level, the highest level of telling that you can reach, that you have reached it, and you have become as proficient in this as you, as possible is simply by one thing. And Dan can tell you exactly what that is, isn't it? Angel. Angel is the ultimate experience if you are back there and running the computer. And Angel's going to be here next week. That's why I'm so grateful that Dan is also going to be here next week. Isn't that right? Yeah, okay. He is now, right? (laughs) Angel's going to be here next Sunday leading worship. And Angel's funny. She'll pick ten songs, do two of them, and pick four others. All while she's up there on stage. And you're all sitting back there saying, what in the world is wrong with Dan? How come he can't follow? And Dan over there, he's going back there and getting other stuff. I tell Angel all the time, pick 20 songs. I don't care. Just so we're ready. Pick 30 songs. Do two of them. (laughs) But it's so much easier if you pick them ahead of time. (laughs) But she'll be up there and she's playing and she just flows into the next song and it's all good. I mean, it's just wonderful. But it just makes it real tough back there. So next week, when Angel's back in here and Dan's back there working and nothing shows up on the screen, you all know she changed it. She changed it. But she's the, she's the ultimate level. If you can survive, Angel. That's, that's the tell, telling point right there. Well, I hope we didn't step on too many of your toes. We didn't get all the way through this. We can get through but more of it later on. Probably a little easier taking it slow. Not up here just to step on toes. Not up here just to, to, to shake you up. You see, if, if I let you go on and be mediocre, then I've allowed you to get a mediocre reward in heaven. Now understand, we're still going to go over all these principles and talk about where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. But we have, to, we have a whole lot of groundwork we've got to lay to make sure that you're all ready for that. And this is one of those things you have to get to. You have to get, and you can only do it for yourself, you have to become dissatisfied with mediocrity in whatever it is that you do. Whether it's cleaning the church, being a greeter, running sound, running a computer, running in the nursery, running the toddler room, being a Sunday school teacher, being a worship team member. Whatever it is, you have got to get out of the idea of mediocrity. And you have got to stop blaming other people and other things for your mediocrity. You go to God and say, God, this is what I got. Right back there, I can't say, well, I could be a better usher cr- crew if, you know, if, if we just didn't have Bruce. <laughs> no, he, he's got Bruce. <laughs> no, Bruce is a good, one. that's why I picked on him, because Bruce is a good one. Bruce, Bruce is a good usher. He's a, he's a good usher. We appreciate him back on there. I just, I knew I could get away with picking on him. <laughs> you, you can't sit there, if I only had this one over, oh, if I got get this one over here. Now, if you all want to get motivated and say, you know what? I don't know what else to do. Maybe I'll be an usher. There are some times we're back here with one usher, guys. Well, I don't want to be an usher. That's all right. You don't have to do it just because I asked you. <laughs> right? Who am I? You don't have to do it just because I asked you. <laughs> I don't want to wear the tie. All right. If we wearing a tie, is too great. To get the reward in heaven that's up there? Don't work. Don't be an usher. Don't do something your pastor's told you that's, that's needed. That's all right. I'm sure when you get up to heaven and God says, how come you didn't do that? Your pastor asked you to. How come you didn't do it? Well, I didn't really feel like it. Oh, alright. I didn't want to show up at nine thirty. Oh. Is that all? No problem. Don't worry about it. I didn't like the I didn't like the uniform. Whatever it is. That's what's holding you back. Don't think I do certain things just because I'm a pastor. Because I had a whole lot of time when I wasn't a pastor. When I was just a member of a church. No matter what position I held in the church, I always had my eye out for what to do. And all they had to do was give it to me. And I determined you will never have to think on this area ever again. I will take care of every problem I will dream bigger in this area than you ever could. And I will find ways to get it done. And I did. You can go back to all the churches and places I've been and you can ask them. I've left that track record. It's not because I'm all that spectacular and I'm all that great. Obviously that's not true. But you can do it. You can dream. Stop hiding behind the excuses. Stop saying, "Oh, I don't have this. You're telling God you have been ill-prepared and he is not giving you the resources that you need. You need to go to God and say, "God, this is what I have. This is what I need to accomplish. So how can I do it?" And let God dream dreams of greatness, grandness, magnificent in nature dreams. Because when you are willing to take what you have and make something great out of it, then God is able to give you more because He knows what you will do with it. But if all that you do with what you have is just enough to get by, then truly, folks, you're not faithful. And God, by His standards, cannot give you anything more. Because until you are faithful with little, you will not be faithful with much. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we all can take a lesson from being faithful. Every single one of us knows that there's areas where we have left in our life to be ordinary. That we have left in our life to not be grand in nature. To not be magnificent. Father, we want to change that. We want to take on things that You need us to take on. We want to do things with what we have and not sit there and say, I'll be more faithful when I get this. Or when You send this one to me. Or this comes along. Father, we will take what we have. We will dream of how it can be grand and how it can be great. I will not settle for mediocrity in my life in any area. But I realize that to be faithful in little means to be faithful in every area of my life, even every little thing that I come across. I need to learn faithful in all of it. So help me, Father. Help us all to be faithful in those areas, more faithful in those areas that are yet ordinary in our life. To dream dreams of grandness and to stop seeing ourselves as ill-supplied, lacking things. Father, help us to take what we have and turn it into something great by leaning on You. Oh, what a lifestyle we are in for. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I know this a little heavy one today. <laughs> but you all are good. Everybody say, I love my pastor. I love my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You don't know, just a that. I know it. <laughs> no, I'll get out there. Dream big things. Get out there and Be an usher. Wear a tie. Get here at 9.30. Show up before you need to be here. Get yourself all ready. Just have that area of grandness to you that you haven't had before.